Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Sean Hathaway. This is podcast Breakaway, Breakaway Financial. We talk about world finance, business, all that cool stuff. Breakaway from the talking heads, group think, the left and the right. Really just try to boil down what, what the heck's going on and how we can we make a few bucks. This has been a phenomenal week. It is Friday, by the way, October 22nd. I'm recording this. This is the latest in the day I've ever recorded a podcast. It's 4.22 p.m. on Friday. I feel like I should have a beer in my hand. But I was thinking maybe I'll do this podcast and have beer's reward. But I may go grab one halfway through. So I am a little bit tired right now. I think I'm just getting old. I'm 45, I think. Um, And I played 18 holes of golf yesterday. Pretty good front nine for me. Shot a 47 legit putted everything out and and no mulligans and then shot just blew up on the back back nine had a couple triples and then kind of stopped counting but and then I went to a cocktail party with my wife and her she's in a nine hole group there and you know I'm just tired now today it's just crazy I didn't even drink that much but that's life so what's going on so why was this such a good week well the markets are up a lot they're up five percent Five percentage points, if you will, uh, since last week. Meaning the market was up 20% year to date, and then it was down five percentage points, so up 15% still year to date. And then this last week, it just rallied another five points. And now the markets are up 21% year to date, which is just, by any measure, if we could just stop right now, put a stake in it, call it December 31st, this would just be a phenomenal year. I just don't know how much we can keep juice in these markets. It's getting a little nuts. But as long as we just, I guess as long as uh, the Biden administration wants, just keeps spending and spending and spending and interest rates and the Fed keeps interest rates at zero, I suppose it's gone forever. I'd say the biggest risk right now is the supply chain, supply chain issues. I just read that there are 71 ships, those are container ships, currently sitting outside the port of LA and that's a major issue and there's in this and the and, and it seems to be compounding in terms of they can't get the containers off the ships because there's nowhere to put the containers but then they bring back empty containers like trucks will bring back an empty container to put the full container on or they need to drop the empty container off and then there's nowhere to drop it because there's no room at the shipyards and so it's kind of weird. It's like almost like the problem has compounded. I was reading about it today, really, really fascinating. And we're going to have to do something atypical to, to fix it, likely. And that could be Biden's talked about bringing out the National Guard to actually start start helping unload or start shipping, start driving trucks to, to get these containers out of there. 70 ships is a lot. It's a lot. And I saw them a couple weeks ago down at the southern port. There's like two ports in LA. There's like Los Angeles, maybe Primary, and there's also one kind of in Orange County down south. And we saw all the ships just sitting out there. It's crazy. So that's a major risk, and we need to get that fixed. Uh, if I was Biden, I would say that should be priority number one. I don't know if that's his transportation secretary, Buttigieg, or if that would be um, like some commerce secretary, and I don't, I don't know who that is off the top of my head. Okay, so markets are great. If you've been listening to my podcast for the last year I've joked about calling this the Tesla Netflix podcast. That's because I talk about Tesla and Netflix nonstop. And it's because I have a personal interest in them. I think they're both really unique companies with really original and forward-thinking management teams that tend to think outside the box. 
and I, over the years I've acquired like significant positions in them for those reasons. And some people think I'm high risk, for example, because oh, well, you're concentrating these companies. Maybe you should be more, you know, like a like an index fund of just the broader U.S. stock market, which is fine. And I actually do have have that. I have a lot of I do have index funds of the broader U.S. stock market. But in terms of specific owning specific stocks, I'm all about Tesla, and Netflix, and some others that I can talk about. But I don't actually consider them that risky. The biggest risk in my mind is not that they're going to go down. The risk is, will they go up at least as much as the general U.S. stock market? Because if they don't perform equal to the U.S. stock market, then your, you, you know, your risk, your opportunity cost is high. So anyway, I don't think they're ever, I don't see Netflix ever going down, at least in the long run, like next five to ten years. And the question is, how fast are they going to go up? And then same thing with Tesla. I, I continue to believe, I wrote about this, that Tesla will be the most valuable company in the world, uh, overtaking Apple, and uh, it probably definitely in this decade, definitely by 2030. So that would imply they're $900 billion by the time they overtake Tesla. It would imply at least a quadrupling, um, if not a 5x, to their stock. So... I just assume that the Netflix stock I own right now will be up 4 to 5x over the next 7 years. So, so I got that going for me. <laughs> All right. Um, I just watched Caddyshack. So, which by the way is a really funny movie if you join a golf club, it's even funnier. Like there's so many jokes and then you start like thinking of who's who in the movie anyway. Okay, so Netflix and Tesla, I don't even know if I mentioned this. They yeah, they hit all-time highs this week. They both had their earnings released this week. They're at $665. I mean, Netflix was trading the 500s just two weeks ago, I think. Uh, Tesla, $909. Going to talk a lot more about Tesla because there's a lot of interesting things going on there. And it feels to me like the Biden administration is hell-bent on slowing their growth. Yeah, gosh, I jump into that right now. Hell, what the hell? Let's jump into it right now. Here we go. Okay, Tesla. So, why... I actually started writing a paper about this. My goal is to finish it today, and I didn't finish it. But all the thoughts are in my head. <laughs> so let's just wind back the time. So, so why does it feel like the Biden... I don't know if it's just the Biden administration versus... Again, it's like we're so partisan here, not on this podcast, but in life. It does feel like Democrats in general are against Elon Musk. And it started during COVID and he was, he made some people might say reckless decisions or he was a little cavalier about the whole COVID risk. They they shut down the, the Fremont factory, which is their only manufacturing facility in the United States. So basically supplies cars, to the whole world, except for China um, or China has a, there's another factory in China. And of course they're building two new factories about to open Austin and Berlin. Point is though, when they shut down, the, the manufacturing facility here in Fremont, California, which, by the way, is one of the most conservative, conservative in the sense of how they manage COVID, one of the most conservative areas in the entire United States, basically, you know, dictator Newsom, shelter in place, save lives. To his credit, though, he actually supported Elon in reopening the factory. The factory was shut down for six weeks. Okay. And so, you know, you could go crowd into Costco, which I, I get it is, is an essential, it's essential to get food and live, but you couldn't go kind of socially distance and work on a production line. So it was really important, though, even just to the economy of the United States, after six weeks, we knew what COVID was, we knew who it was dangerous to, et cetera. Anyway, 
it made sense to open the factory. We could argue this forever. I'm not going to argue it. I think it made sense. Some people don't think it made sense. There was a congresswoman, Lorena Gonzalez. I think she's like from down south of California, San Diego area somewhere. But um, she tweeted on May 9th, 2020, F Elon Musk. She put F star CK Elon Musk. Pretty damn explicit. And then he replied back to her message received. Okay. That's like an elected official telling one of probably the most revered entrepreneurs, clean energy, innovative leading leaders <laughs> of our time that he can F off. He has created countless jobs, uh, GDP, and wealth for hundreds of thousands of Americans. And we talk about the need to bring manufacturing back to the United States. And he hasn't just brought manufacturing here. It is high tech, the highest tech possible manufacturing in terms of these cars. They're basically robots on wheels. So the idea that an elected official would just say that to him is just ridiculous. And she should be fired. So, or hopefully if you voted for her, that's horrible. So now he has announced that he's, they officially moved the headquarters of Tesla to Austin, Texas. And it's largely symbolic because, I mean, they're still going to have their Fremont factory here and they're already building a factory there, but, but it is meaningful in that, you know, all overhead and, and kind of management positions will eventually move to Texas. So there you go. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing that happened was, or, or there's a lot of things that happened, but one big event is then Biden has this EV manufacturers invite to the front lawn of the White House, right? He says, we're going to lead the revolution. GM, Ford, and Chrysler are going to lead the revolution in electric vehicles. And, and he did, and so he's got the, the executives there, along with the leader of like the uh, UAW, United Auto Workers Union, leader there but they didn't invite tesla which is the leading company in the entire world in terms of manufacturing electric vehicles so how do they not get invited they, they should actually be hosting the meeting so he doesn't even invite them he doesn't even acknowledge them okay okay so moving on he they don't get it tesla doesn't get invited elon obviously tweets hmm, odd that we didn't get invited then there's the, the sweeping legislation going through the House right now, the $3.5 trillion spending bill. And in that bill is a credit, a $4,500 credit for cars. If you buy a car that's manufactured by a union. I mean, just think about how corrupt that feels. Like, why, why are we incentive? It's, it's, you're fundamentally incentivizing the creation and existence of unions, which I think still serve their place in some industries, but are largely an archaic relic of the past when we had people working 100-hour weeks, no overtime, in dangerous, unsafe conditions. Think oil and steel and, and just the Industrial Revolution. Again, I'm not trying to say unions, there's no place for them, but we now have minimum wage. We have workplace safety organizations like OSHA. We have class action lawsuits if, if you use, 
there's so many legal protections that have gone into place over the last 50 years that it's just hard to understand why you still need unions. Okay, that could, I could keep talking about that. I'll, I'll skip it. So $4,500 tax credit for union-made cars. Of course, Elon Musk like, well, why? why? What about our cars? Um, that seems to favor other auto manufacturers. So then, and then the other thing is, so with SpaceX, Elon Musk and team launched four civilians for the first time ever into full orbit. They orbited the Earth for three days in a row. I think it was three days. And Biden didn't even call him to say congratulations. I mean, it was arguably one of the most historic moments in space travel for the United States. You know, it was definitely a, a milestone. Okay, so that's just odd. Then what's happened, what's gotten a lot of news, not a lot of news, but a lot of, if you follow Tesla as closely as I do, the Tesla community is talking about the the appointment of a woman named Missy Cummings as a senior advisor to NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. So they're key. They're the ones who investigate all the accidents, and and, and they'll be key in, in, in getting the full self-driving kind of approved and stamp of approval by, by governmental agencies. And the problem with her are many. One is she has been openly, vocally against Tesla. She doesn't like Elon Musk. She's tweeted about punching him in the face, like literally punching him in the face. She uh, is a director, a, on the board of directors of a company that manufactures LiDAR, which is like laser radar, okay? And Tesla famously does not use LiDAR. They use real cameras and AI to recognize images of real images. So they're not using any radar or sonar, at least not much. I think no LiDAR. So she is all, she's completely conflicted in terms of she's not objective or independent and she needs to be removed. So it's just crazy that she got appointed as a senior advisor on NHTSA. And she's already tweeting about how she's she doesn't think full self-driving is good. And full self-driving, if you follow this, is going to be far safer. Look, AI and cars driving themselves is not a matter of if. It is when. And it is this decade. It is in the next couple years. It will happen. And it will happen in other countries, and it will be safer than having a human drive because humans drink and humans text. And some humans just can't drive anyway, even sober. So there you go. They fall asleep, too. All right, so anyway, so it's Biden administration against Tesla. Tesla just broke all-time highs, record revenue, record deliveries, record everything, and then they're going to open two more gigafactories. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be lights out, other automakers. Oh, to that point, so Volkswagen, the CEO of Volkswagen, seems to be the only one openly addressing that they're screwed. He says we've got to fire people, and we've got to get more efficient, and we need to be faster and scrappier, and we need to follow Tesla's lead. And he invited Elon Musk to speak at their management meeting. So like 200 or so of their highest executives in Volkswagen were in this meeting, and he invites Elon Musk to speak there and give him like, kind of his thoughts on how to move quickly and make quick make decisions, et cetera, et cetera. 
and Elon was like, he went and he was like, yeah, this is what I think you should do. Not what I think you should do, but he kind of said, you know, some of his management techniques, you know, what, what makes Tesla successful. And he applauded Volkswagen for being what he, he said, their closest competitor. <laughs> so then here's, here's, get this. So then the, the CEO of, oh, I hope I don't get this wrong. I think it was Ford. Then he invites like the CEO of, of Rivian, which is a brand new startup truck maker to go speak to their executive team. It's like, what? Oh, just let that sink in. It's just nuts. All right, should I talk about Netflix? So there's not much to say there. I mean, they, I talked about them a lot last week. I wrote a paper on them. I mean, they, they blew out their subscriber uh, numbers, and they had a great quarter. They, they, look, their, their earnings call is like the master call of really saying nothing. I mean, they, they disclose some kind of viewership numbers, but there's really no, like, I, I almost don't know why they do an earnings call because they don't answer any questions directly. The, the story with them, though, is they, they seem to be growing. I, I talked about this last week, so I don't want to repeat myself, but they're growing consistently. They've got, you know, 200 and, I forget the number, 12 million viewers. You know, paid subscribers. You know, they're going to grow that to, to to a billion, and it'll take them a decade. They're doing. They're getting into gaming, which I think is the most exciting thing, and they're finally we're seeing the leverage and success of international, which is obviously Squid Game is the best example of how you can fund a relatively small production in a foreign country, Korea, and have it become the most watched show on Netflix. Um, of anything they've shown there. I'd be curious, and again, I think I mentioned this last time I looked it up, I'd be curious to see how it compared against viewership to Game of Thrones. Because I think this is, this is that's one of their Game of Thrones moments right there. Except Game of Thrones went on many, many seasons, and this probably won't, but who knows. All right, back to current events. in and out in San Francisco shut down because they don't want to check COVID. I was listening to, again, I try to listen to all sorts of information and from different points of view. And so I listened to, and I've mentioned this before, I listened to a podcast called, I think it's called Recode by Kara Swisher and Scott Gallagher. And he just railed, they they brought this up too, and he railed against In-N-Out. He said he's still going to go there, but that they should be, so the background is In-N-Out, San Francisco location was shut down temporarily because they're not checking customers' vaccine cards to make sure they're vaccinated. Have you ever been to a restaurant where they check your vaccine cards? Complete joke anyway. I mean, they just barely glance at it, and sometimes they don't even do it. So, And then you've got these health authorities walking around undercover, making sure they check, and they don't check it. They're like, oh, I'm a health authority. You're fined or shut down. And So they just shut down indoor dining at this in and out But anyway, Scott Gallagher just rails on them saying, well, you can check no shoes, no shirt, no service. You should be able to check vaccine cards. And I'm like, eh, it's not exactly the same thing. And, you know, in and out space is saying, we don't want to be vaccine police. Like, go get your vaccine, you know, whatever. You follow the rules, but we're not going to police it. And, you know, I think that's a fair fair stance. I think people will disagree with me on that one, but I'm on the in and out side of this. Walgreens shut down five stores on another topic related to San Francisco and how wacky it is there. That is a whack job city, man. I would never live there. And I thought about living there, too. Moving up there, moving the family there, living in the city for a couple years. Hell no. 
You can't even park on the street, literally, without your car getting broken into. Impossible. The window will be broken. So they shut down five Walgreens, and then they're trying, the different media things are trying to spin it. Oh, well, there was a spin that, oh, well, Walgreens was shutting down unprofitable stores anyway. Well, guys, that's true, but these weren't unprofitable stores. They became unprofitable because they are being robbed just in broad daylight all day long. Like, people walk in, this guy was being interviewed, he'd say he'd see the same guy come in every single day and just grab whatever he wants and walk right out, and then it got to the point where the employees don't do anything. They just start saying hi to people, like, oh, hey, you're back, okay. It's like you're a customer that just doesn't have to pay. So they shut down five stores, and that's kind of that's kind of San Francisco in a nutshell. Those two examples. Poor San Francisco, they really need to... They need to get... They need to get tough. Tough on crime, at least. All right, I am going to bring up one more boring topic. Uh, Taiwan. So Biden did an interview last night with Anderson Cooper, and I actually tried to watch it. I Googled it and started watching some interview, and then I realized it was from July. I'm like, I'm watching the wrong one because they're talking about stuff that's already happened. Anyway, so I still couldn't find it. i got to go watch it, though. But uh, I did read something about some quotes, though, and I'm going to just kind of read it to you about Taiwan. And this is really important, I think. And Biden answered yes when asked during a CNN town hall whether he could pledge to protect Taiwan. He said, I don't want a Cold War with China. I just want to make China understand that we are not going to step back. We're not going to change any of our views. And then... And then just kind of reading more here. Although the U.S. recognized the People's Republic as the sole legal government of China more than four decades ago, it never clarified its position on Taiwan's sovereignty or whether it would use force to defend Taiwan, policy sometimes called strategic ambiguity. The U.S. has continued to maintain informal ties with Taipei and sell it weapons under the Taiwan Relations Act. Okay, my point of this is Taiwan is very important for the U.S. There are so many things made there. I know offhand there's a lot of bicycles made there. I know there's a lot of golf balls made there. I know there's a lot of sunglasses made there. And I know there's a lot of semiconductor chips, speaking of the chip shortage, made there. Think TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, the largest semiconductor manufacturer in the world is there. And it's, it's, it's extremely important. Uh, so I, I applaud Biden on this. See, I go both ways, people. I applaud Biden on this. And I think that the United States needs to step in and take a firm stance here. And we need to be united with Korea and Japan, Philippines, and other countries in Southeast because we cannot let China take over Taiwan. It would be economically, strategically not good for the United States. So good job, Biden. And then... Just so you know, I try to disclose what I'm doing. I just bought some shares of PayPal, Roblox, Shopify, and Stitch Fix this week. I think all those companies are going up, up, up uh, over the long run. It's always over the long run, three years. And this is not a stock recommendation, by the way. Just telling you what I did. And I bought Palantir. And part of these communities I follow, people are so passionate about Palantir. That's the company that Peter Thiel founded. Uh, And he's a staunch, like, hardcore Republican Trump supporter. But I bought them, and I do this sometimes just as an opportunity to kind of start following them and, and, and maybe listen to their earnings call, read their 10Qs or, you know, their earnings letters and start learning a little bit more about the company. So it's kind of like a gamble, kind of like throwing the dice. But, it, 
but the gambles, I feel like I'm following a lot of smart people there and a lot of smart money there. So, so yeah, I'm going in there a little blind, but I, I feel like it's not that bad of a bet. So we'll see. In terms of recommendations, I'm going to sign off right now. Nothing. The only thing new that I have embarked on since my last podcast is we watched the first episode of season three of Succession, and it's. I guess I'd recommend it. It's it's good writing. It's it's cheesy, but you know, fast talking and intelligent and and adrenaline pumping and. I don't know how realistic it is. It's it, supposedly it's loosely based off the, the the Murdoch family that owns like Fox and a whole empire of other media outlets. So yeah, I guess I'd recommend it. I continue to watch Outer Banks with my family. It's good fun. It's really cheesy. I'm always critiquing these scenes that are unrealistic, but I, that's why I would not be a good writer for for Hollywood because I would make everything like super realistic and then it just probably wouldn't be a good, a good, uh, screen, right? Okay, everyone have a great weekend. Send me an email, Sean at hathawayfinancial.com. And, uh, I will read my questions on my next episode, or if you want to be a guest, ping me and, uh, we'll get you on here. Have a great weekend, everyone, and be safe and have fun.